This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 28th, episode 2734, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Well, we have a silver gold medal team here in the United States. The first one since, what, 1949 or something? It's crazy. So exciting. (laughs) Yay. It's been 1948 in London was the last time uh, we took a silver in dressage. So congratulations to the dressage team. Did you get to watch any of this round? It was nail biting, you know, the, the, at least what I saw, which was the, um, YouTube TV version, which, I mean, there's so many different versions to mm-hmm. watch, but they had kind of edited the top, you know, eight rides and put them all together. And it really came down to Charlotte Dujordan, um, doing, you know, her ride on, on pumpkin and to see if they would end up in the bronze spot or silver and then leave America in in the bronze, you know, so it was kind of between those two and, um, you know, gosh, it's, it's so crazy because everybody that I saw looked utterly perfect. I don't know how this is judged. (laughs) It's just insane. But I did notice when she went, I think to do her two tempies, you know, like he skipped one of them or something. So they give her like a four and a couple of the, the movements she didn't do so well on. So they ended up in, in, in bronze. And so basically that's how it, it came down to Charlotte uh, from what I could in the coverage that I saw, they made it look like it came down to Charlotte and basically they blew one move and then it wasn't as good a test after that. And, uh, us, us gets the silver. And of course there was no question. Germany won the gold, right? I mean, there's no question there. (laughs) No, I mean, that was the the (laughs) announcers like, basically, I I think at one point the last German, the German anchor rider went and they were like, this is basically like Tom Brady taking a knee. Literally. They were like, she could do whatever she wants and they're still going to get the gold (laughs) medal. Go out of the, she could do a U and, jump out of the ring and you know (laughs) how did you know well i didn't jump out the horse did anyway i mean it was it was amazing they were so do you know that's their 14th time for gold in germany in the Mm. uh dressage (laughs) i mean their their horses are all so perfect and it was just amazing and isabel vertha i think did so much better i think than anybody expected it was just beautiful and then jessica's horse the german i don't want to say her last name von Bredal verndil um close <laughs> ridiculous close. ridiculous so good i mean but everybody was so good just to be in that arena and to perform any of those movements but when you think of like Okay, here's here's one movement that blew my mind. Okay, so the dress, dressage arena is 90 meters, so three 20-meter circles, 24 to 60 meters. 
And they come up the center line and they do a canter pirouette and then they go down and then they have like nine tempi changes down the center line and then another canter pirouette. This is all within 60 meters. <laughs> what? Like, oh my God. It was so amazing and so beautiful and so perfect that to, you know, a horse takes one misstep and everybody's like, oh, you're like, what? <laughs> I didn't see anything. Oh my God. But it was. It was just amazing. And our U S team should be so incredibly proud. It was just, it was awesome. Now that course that happened first. And then yesterday, uh, into today, sort of, I get the days mixed up cause they're weird over there. Uh, but Adrian Lyle then who was part of that silver medal winning team here in the United States ha- pulled her horse. She said he just wasn't quite right. I guess he didn't feel right before the individual around, uh, the, uh, the, uh, round was it, was it a, Grand Prix or was it a, uh, I think it's a musical, freestyle. musical freestyle. Yep. So she pulled her horse Savino out of that, but, uh, that went on and we have individual medal winners too. Jessica, whose name we can't say, uh, from Germany won the individual gold, uh, and she beat out Isabel Wirth. So, uh, she's gotta be ecstatic. She did a 91.37. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that. I'll watch that this afternoon because it all kind of puts gets put in a package for my Olympic coverage. You know what I'm bummed about is, and I'm going to have to go back on YouTube, is a lot of the Spanish riders and, and riders from Portugal were on Lusitanos. So I really want to go back and see kind of how they were able to perform. Lusitano is very similar to the Andalusian. So basically my little miles someday could potentially you be at the Olympics. Olympics. You're going to be there. <laughs> yeah. With scores of 91.732. <laughs> I'm going to start with some sitting trot. Get myself ready. <laughs> so anyway, I'm really excited. She, it was she, so fun. So Jessica of Germany, who won the gold, is the seventh combination in history to achieve a mark of 90%. Oh my god. So gosh. it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. And Charlotte, so we had uh Jessica, we had Isabel, and then Charlotte took the bronze there on Geo. So she did pretty well uh, in the individual test. And that makes her uh the most decorated British female Olympian of all time. Uh she was Dressage rider. No. Olympian because she this is her sixth Olympic medal so she now takes over as the most decorated female Olympian of all time in Britain so congratulations individual and team three Olympics in a row yeah so that's not too bad huh (laughs) and well now you've ruined it for me because I haven't even watched (laughs) it yet oh you couldn't avoid it it's been all over social media uh and also Stefan Peters becomes the oldest U.S. Olympic medalist since 1952 at the age of 56 yeah, he was just awesome. I mean, and that horse he is riding, Glenn, is 18-2. Put that in perspective <laughs> when you've got Charlotte who's riding like a 15-plus hand horse to an 18.2. Hold on. Let me take my 18-2 hand horse and do 15 tempi changes across the diagonal at 18-2. I'm just... Mm-mm. No. You know what's funny is I've realized I'm riding my horses differently. Like I rode Peter this morning and I'm like, you can collect more than that. Come on. <laughs> He's like, but I've been off the track six weeks. I don't care. Get your butt underneath you. <laughs> it is just making me expect a little bit more, but it's probably, you know, it's inspiring and makes you ride better. And I'm not kidding you. I have watched so much Olympics, the handball and the archery. I, I was like, we watch rugby. Like, 
Why? That is a nasty sport. Holy cow. Man, it's intense. (laughs) That's like professional wrestling on a large field. On a football (laughs) field where everybody can just beat the crap out of each other. There's one more I want to talk to you, too, about sport. But let's mention, I want to give Sabine uh, shoot Carey, who finished fifth individually. So she was just out of the medals, but we wanted to congratulate her, too. On today's show, we have Daily Dose Equine Horse Health Report brings us Dr. Brooks back from the University of Florida on anhydrosis, non-sweating. It's a good time of year to talk about that. Lori Adams is coming on from SAR, and that's the organization that searches for horses. She's going to tell us what to do if your horse gets loose in the woods and uh, what you should do at the time the horse gets loose. And and, uh, that's something that we've seen a lot of recently here in the news. Also, uh, you have some weird news? Oh, my God. Well, you said that what happens if your horse gets loose? Teaser from the uh, news, weird news coming up is what happens if your bull gets loose? So that's coming up. (laughs) I am amazed at how many people sent me weird news stories. So I'm going to get to as many as Glenn lets me, but I've got at least nine names and many of them sent, sent me several of them. So if I don't get to your weird news story today, I will save it for next week. I had a great one for you last night and then I fell asleep. Didn't send it. And no, I don't know Thanks. who it was. You're welcome. Yeah. Your Be- name wasn't Before we go to the daily winners, there's one other thing. I watched a little bit of water polo. Good Lord, those people have to swim a lot. I cannot imagine how tiring that is. You know what I'm amazed at is some of the outfits. I mean, you're in a pool, you're going to be in a bathing suit. But the (laughs) – sounds so weird because it's women's diving. And the women are diving and they have these tiny bathing suits on. Uh, Thongs pretty much. I don't understand. It's not a thong, but they keep hiking. Like, the it can't be comfortable. Is on them and they like hike it higher up. Like, well, I can already see your beehole. Like, I don't need more. Like, pull that down. And then there was a story about one of the, um, the volleyball teams that was, refused uh, to yeah, wear from the, Germany or somewhere. Yeah. It's insane. The clothes. I was just watching girl. God, I've watched a lot of Olympics girls <laughs> softball. Oh yeah. And I, re- I played softball and you wore baseball pants, like the Shorts. baseball pants. Now everybody is wearing, they're like leggings. Or it's, the unitard like things, you know, they're like one, yeah, you're right. It looks kind kind of a big unit. I watched a little bit of that last night too. The uh, more the I ju- would Japanese were challenge. wearing shorts, kind of like baseball shorts. There's only one sport that I've seen people wear a lot of clothes, and pretty much every other sport people. The are Winter wearing. Olympics. <laughs> no, in the Summer Olympics, okay. there is one sport <laughs> that? that wears a lot of clothes. The horse people. No, no, even more than them. <laughs> <laughs> Fencing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Fencing is the only thing. They don't even show their faces in it. Is it like, really fencing or is it more like dancing and poking? That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what it looks like. <laughs> Just, Dan- I'm going to dance and I'll poke. And then, they're, then they go, oh! I know. <laughs> they scream a lot. I mean, it is fencing. is legit. Man, I, I want to see are... him with broadswords out there myself. I, I just, uh, it just looks like dancing and poking to me. That's what I did see. Uh, this send your one... complaints to Jennifer Horse Radio. Yeah, I don't care. Send yeah. them to her. But I did see this one meme that was like, oh my God, what has happened in the United States where seriously skateboarding takes a bronze? And somebody else replied with, that's what happens when you send the skaters that aren't on drugs. <laughs> 
<laughs> the three they could find. The three they could find that aren't stoned. I, again, I used to date a skater. You can't, you know, I get to talk from what I know. <laughs> have one birthday today in the auditor room, and that's Lisa Lemke. Happy birthday to Lisa. Lisa's been an auditor since auditors started. I mean, she's she's been around a long time. So thank you, Lisa, for hanging around, and uh, happy birthday to you. Well, you may notice that this Horses in the Morning episode is coming out a little bit late today, and I'll tell you why. It's because Jessica Troop's horse, Jessica Troop is an auditor, and she adopted one of the horses here and uh, from, from Horse and Hound Rescue. We came here for training, and the hauling company couldn't come until the middle of the show, and I have to be down there. So, Glenn, thank you for letting us postpone Horses Well, Jessica in the was just at the party over the weekend, so I, and she talked endlessly about her new horse, so. Oh my God. Yeah. She's so excited. <laughs> so, uh, this is a new company to me. I'd never seen this before. And I love that these companies have no idea that they're going to be judged and talked about when they come to pick up a horse, but it was at Creech shipping. Holy cow. First of all, it was like a giant semi and she had ordered a box stall, which in this weather and all of this, I really hope people do something good like that for their horse for traveling. Well, Jessica got a box stall. The horse's name is Secret Deployment. She named him Ivan and Ivan loaded up in this semi, no problem, got in the stall and had a box stall. Glenn, this box stall, he turned around in. It was huge. I saw the pictures. That's a big box stall for a trailer. (laughs) really big. And he was the only horse on the trailer. They had dumped, uh, dropped off some horses in California and Albuquerque, you know, and he was like, yeah, we're heading home and their home is Florida. So they just picked up one more on the Stay on the road or did it come down your driveway? Oh no, I have them all parked on, on the road. Yeah, because that's a big <laughs> I truck. take the horse down to them. <laughs> that's a big I truck. I got a turnaround driveway, but it ain't that big. <laughs> That was a 50 foot truck. (laughs) I mean, it was big. It was a semi basically. And, uh, but it was a really nice company and uh, and the guy was really nice. And, and there's some companies, if you guys have questions about shipping horses, please call me because I've seen them all now and I've seen all the big ones and all the ones that I will never let pull up again. So, um, call me, (laughs) send me an email. (laughs) All right, very good. You know, our sponsor today is Stateline Tech, and I don't know about you over there in Oklahoma, but we are having the worst fly year. We were talking about that when everybody was here for the party. The flies this year in Florida are ridiculous. I mean, we've never had the flies that we have now, and I don't know what happened. I don't know why. Maybe we didn't have enough hurricanes to, like, send them out into the ocean. I don't know. But uh, at Stateline Tech right now, if you go to their homepage, you're going to see they have bargains on all kinds of fly stuff, including... They, they right now have the Defender Air Mesh Combo Sheets for $37. They have fly masks. They have all kinds of fly sprays. And uh, the fi- Farnham Tri-Tech, the Shires uh, Sweet Itch Combo Fly Sheet for $65. I mean, they, they have a bunch of different things on there. Now, I'm sure some of these sizes are going to be selling out. So you're going to want to head on over to StatelineTech.com right now and check out their fly selection. We're not noticing as many mosquitoes, but... The flies are just ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it bad where you are, fly-wise? You know, uh, (laughs) I got to tell you, I wasn't going to tell you this, but the bugs are are insane. Yeah, of course, we've had a lot of rain, too. And uh, 
I got these, I have these ducks. They're called Muscovy ducks. Oh, and yeah. it, it, they, it's the greatest duck ever. I literally watched my female duck, Ed, uh, chase down, leap in the air and grab out of the air a giant horse fly and like gobble it down. <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. So stay line tack. Y'all need to start. I mean, I'm looking for ducks, ducks right now. I'm searching ducks. <laughs> <laughs> the, so yeah, the bugs, I mean, the, the, the giant horse flies are just like zipping around. No problem. Just uh, like they own the place. Well, Come and get them, Ed. It's <laughs> awesome. Statelinetech.com for all your bug and fly infestation needs. Head on over there today. Well, we're going to have a horse health report. And actually, Jennifer got to catch up with her uh, because we were a little late today. So thank you, Jennifer, for, for doing this interview for us. So uh, let's take a listen. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. Today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. Find all of their products at dailydoseequine.com. I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Dr. Samantha Brooks, Associate Professor of Equine Physiology at the University of Florida. Thanks for stopping by, Dr. Brooks. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. And we always have interesting conversations when you guys call. So. We love having you on because you, you make really serious science um, understandable. <laughs> well, thank you. I try. <laughs> well, you know, if we understand it, we're a lot more likely to take those those amazing research projects that you guys do and use that information to help our horses. We're going to ask our veterinarians because we go, ah, I understand that a little bit. I need to ask my vet. Absolutely. And that's key because, you know, this is why we do science. Myself and most people in my lab, we're all horse people. And we want to, to do things that can help our horses and their horse owners. And if the word doesn't get out, um, it doesn't get used. So That's thank true. you for That's helping true. us get the word out. <laughs> That's true. There you go. Well, very recently, you guys finished up some research into anhydrosis, which is a very confusing um, syndrome disease that horses have because in the past, we really haven't known a lot about it. And treatment regimens are limited at best. So let's start this conversation with a really brief Reader's Digest of what is anhydrosis? Sure. So anhydrosis is loss of the ability to sweat. And uh, among horse people, we sometimes call it a dry coat or a non-sweater. Horses are unique in that they use that surface, full body surface sweat as one of their primary ways to regulate their body temperature. Humans are one of the only other mammalian species that rely this much on sweat. I don't know. Maybe this is why we get along so well with horses. We're <laughs> <Good> generally <day. laughs> both of us sweating when we do things. But um, it's really kind of an interesting physiological mechanism because it's pretty costly. You know, the moisture and, and good quality drinking water, that's hard to come by in many environments. So um, given that it's very specialized and very important, when something goes wrong with it, things go really wrong. So. Um, some horses will lose the ability to sweat in their training uh, in response to an increase in the the um, difficulty of the the training regimen that they're working through, or uh, sometimes in in response to a sudden heat wave. 
And those episodes of anhydrosis, we usually have a good explanation for. You can have training fatigue or an electrolyte imbalance. You know, the same thing happens to people, especially runners. Um, and, and we can figure that out and, and correct it either with rest or supplemental electrolytes, things like that. But some horses will develop anhydrosis that is prolonged and does not respond to any of the obvious uh, changes. So things like electrolytes or our vets sometimes look at their hormones to check for an endocrine problem. In those animals, we haven't had any good explanation for what was causing them to lose the ability to sweat. And, and it's a big deal for horses. So unlike humans, most of them can't move into the air conditioning when they get too hot. So even in northern climates, when you get those hot summer days, it may only last a few days up north, but for those few days, it's easy to get critically overheated. And if you're a performance horse, the uh, inability to cool yourself is immediately a deal breaker. You know, horses are big, muscular animals, and when those muscles are working, they generate lots of heat. And if they can't dissipate that heat, it becomes life-threatening very quickly. In the mild forms, uh, what horse owners often see are things like their horse might be panting, um, and, and sometimes they think that's actually asthma-like signs. Um, because it's breathing, right? So you don't always connect breathing to their skin. Anyway, yeah. Is that, <laughs> well, why is my yeah, horse right? panting? Why you doesn't know? he just sweat? He's panting. Oh my gosh, there's something it's, wrong. Well, yeah, and especially like if you're familiar right? with dogs, <laughs> panting is a sign of stress if they cl- yeah. have their mouth closed and, they, and they're breathing hard. So yeah, I can understand that. For sure. But horses don't stick their tongue out, right? When they pant, I hope so not. it really just looks like they're breathing hard, yeah? yeah? Um, they get lazy, like they don't want to work because they, they get hot and they feel ex- that heat exhaustion more, more quickly. So you get performance drop off. Um, you know, broodmares might, might start to struggle reproductively. So you get this diverse set of signs that they're just kind of off. And if you aren't carefully examining their skin in the early stages, they will still sweat a little. And so you'll still might have a little bit of a wet saddle pad or wet under the girth, but you may not have put two and two together until they absolutely stop sweating. And, and if that happens, particularly in the South U.S., where we have a lot of heat and a lot of humidity, it can quickly become uh, a life-threatening situation. So do, do we know how long this syndrome has been around? Do, is, it, is, there one of the, is it one of those things that, you know, it's been around, but we've only started to really recognize it recently? Mm-hmm. Well, there are some historical accounts going back to the the early half of the 1900s, uh, where they certainly noted that this happened in horses, but they didn't have a solution for it. Um, and they didn't at that time really notice any trends. So um, it, it's really been around quite a while. Hmm. I think more recently, we've become more aware of it, um, just as we're working through optimizing our exercise, you know, physiology for our horses. Um, and I, I think that we're starting to get the word out more frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, the real key study was a work done by um, our colleagues over here at the vet school, uh, led by Dr. Mackay. They examined the pedigrees and the breeds of horses who had anhydrosis. Because up to that point, you know, some people thought it might run in families, but they weren't sure. What they discovered is that a family history gave you about 20 times the risk of getting the disease. So, that was right away a big red flag that this might have a genetic component. 
Interesting. Sounds so- like bad news. <laughs> sounds like really bad news, but sometimes it's actually good news because um, we have these great genetic mapping tools so that if we know absolutely nothing about a disease, it might be okay because once the genome shows us which gene is involved, that tells us what kind of body process is being interrupted. And then once we know which process to target, we can start to design additional experiments to figure out how to treat or prevent the disease. So some some curious folks started to sit down and look very, very carefully at horses who had been diagnosed and their pedigrees, which led them to say, hmm, there might be a family propensity to get this problem. And that's when you jumped up and said, hey, we can do some research. So how did you go about setting up how you were going to research this? Well, it's it's a bit of a challenge because anhydrosis does look like a lot of other um, conditions. And it's a little bit different. It's difficult to diagnose with good precision. So there is a specialized test where we uh, inject a, a tiny amount of a compound that's a little bit like adrenaline. It's, it's actually terbutaline. But when you inject a tiny droplet of that under the skin, all the little sweat glands above that droplet just whew, start sweating to be banned, right? So on a normal horse, you can inject these tiny droplets and you can actually measure how much sweat is secreted from that little spot on the horse. It doesn't really bother the horse much other than the tiny injections. You know, they're kind of like little fly bites. On an anhydrotic horse, you can see right away. Even if you put uh, that drug right there in a concentrated droplet, those sweat glands cannot manage to do a thing. Even though we have this nifty test, most field veterinarians don't use it very often. They tend to diagnose it more based on exclusion. So they'll rule out things like asthma or electrolyte imbalance or hormonal problems. And then they'll say, well, you must have anhydrosis and there's nothing we can do about that. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the first challenge, the first challenge of the study was that we needed to define what the disease was. And as much as we would love to have every horse get that very specific skin test for sweat, we ended up constructing a survey. We had about 300 horse owners from mostly from the southern U.S., but we had answers from around the world because this this disease is sort of unappreciated in many, many corners of the globe. <laughs> um, and they sent in histories. You know, my horse is uh, able to work in the morning, but not in the afternoon or is completely uncomfortable by May through June. And we gathered all this historical information to create a scale of anhydrosis severity. And then we compared the severity of that disease to a panel of about a half million genetic markers across the genome. And using some fancy statistics, we just looked for the markers that were most commonly found in the horses with this severe disease. And using our handy genetic map, we find where that marker is and look for the genes in the neighborhood and start studying what kind of biology those genes contribute to sounds really easy that way, doesn't it? It does sound easy, but it sounds to me like there were some really big brains and even bigger computers involved. Yes, there are definitely computers involved. And this is something, you know, I I love genetics. It's a lot of fun. And I love horses. But had you told me that in order to combine those two things, I would have to learn a fair bit of computer programming and a lot of math and statistics, I probably would have balked. (laughs) (laughs) I would be like, no. But um, these are these are great tools, and that's the challenge. Is when we go from genetics to genomics and working on the whole genome scale, you have to shift to computers. So 
those of you out there who are thinking about going into a career in genetics, make sure you work on your computer programming and your math skills. Good news <laughs> is if you have those skills, it's easy to get a job. <laughs> to make your job a lot easier. So once you did all this and you concluded at the end of it that, that there is a genetic component, is there going to be or should there be or need, does there need to be further research that will tell you it definitely does or definitely doesn't? Or is is are the conclusions of this study saying that we know for a fact that there's a component, but it's only a component? Did I phrase that question well? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you've got it, right? So this is just one study and, and science is always an ongoing process. And it, we definitely would love to do some continuing work. The struggle we have right now is while this is an important condition for the horse industry, Horse industry struggles to get themselves organized and and to fund um, science. So we actually ran out of funding. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, they're definitely, I, sadly, I mean, it's very, very important, but it's not quite as high profile as things like colic. So right. um, although there's probably, there are, it is not an infrequent condition. It's just not. I'm surprised how common uh, but it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, yeah living, living in Florida, any horse that's afflicted with this, even to a minor degree, you hear about because, you know, you live in the South and it's hot and humid so much of the year, it can be really detrimental to their health. Um, so for somebody who has a horse that they suspect could be anhydrotic, um, what is the best way to have your veterinarian diagnose that problem? <laughs> Well, I think the gold standard is still going to be the skin test because there are there are easier um, treatment options for horses who have a more run-of-the-mill case of anhydrosis. Um, where things get more challenging is when they do have what we call the idiopathic type. And a large proportion of those horses, based on our study, will have these genetic markers. And genetic markers are pretty inexpensive. So if you've gone through a lot of uh, exclusionary uh, diagnostics and you haven't found an answer, it doesn't. It, it's not a bad idea at all to run the genetic test, even though we're still in the preliminary stages of, of getting uh, these results out and field tested, right? Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, you know, if you're thinking about a pre-purchase exam or breeding horses, you know, um, comprehensive genetic testing is a good idea anyway, but you bet being here in Florida before I buy a horse, I'm going to, I'm going to double check just, double check that, just yeah. in case, just in case, you know, it's not going to be, yeah, it's not going to be a hundred percent, but anhydrosis is so frustrating because we have no, absolutely no scientifically proven treatment, not beer, you know, not nutritional. Well, supplements. That was, None that was my next question is you have a horse who, <laughs> who has anhydrosis. What now? Well, um, in, you know, for those of you who have a horse with anhydrosis right now, the best thing you can do for that horse is provide supplemental cooling. So a lot of our horse owners will shift to actually bring them into the barn during the day. And they, if they're still going to ride, they'll ride at night when the temperatures are cooler. Um, they might wet that horse uh, externally. So he can't sweat to wet himself, but you can certainly do frequent cold hosing install barn misters, or there are some specialized um, absorbent kind of blanket materials that will release that moisture slowly that can help. And then you want to evaporate that moisture once you put it on the horse. So stall fans are fantastic. Get that air moving. What we're hope will happen in the future, though, if we can pick this research back up with some renewed funding, is that the gene that 
contributes to idiopathic anhydrosis in the horse uh, is a, a channel that moves ions. So ions are things like salt and chloride, right, are electrolytes. It moves those ions across the cell membrane. Um, and actually, there's a number of diseases in people that impact the same type of cellular machinery, those ion channels that move those electrolytes across membranes. One of the most famous of those is cystic fibrosis. Did not now, know that. The benefit there is, right, so there's some functional similarity. And, and people with cystic fibrosis often have problems not only with their lungs and their mucous membranes and Ingestion, but also their sweat. So now you can kind of see, ah, here we go. Now we've got the connection. Now, the great thing about that similarity is that we have put millions of dollars into studying cystic fibrosis because it impacts a lot of people. And that includes developing a number of drug compounds to help to fix those difficulties with your ion channels. So the, the hopeful, long-term, pie-in-the-sky hopeful message here is that if we can chase down this ion channel hypothesis, there might be pharmaceutical drugs already developed that could potentially help to uh, maybe prevent development of the condition in the horse or um, alleviate some of the symptoms of the disease before the sweat glands become too damaged to be able to function. Cool. So, oh, wow. I could just talk about this forever, but we're kind of running out of time. So if for folks who want to uh, read up on all of the fascinating studies that you have done and other things going on at the University of Florida, where can they appropriately stalk you guys online? (laughs) Well, um, our website, we are finally starting to get it caught up during quarantine. I have to say that we were we were definitely in triage mode. And website, ironically, was not top of the list while we were all trying to learn to Zoom, right? But our website is US Equine Genetics, all one word, dot org. And we do have a recent um, extension publication actually talking about anhydrosis. So through our UF ISIS extension service, you can get that short PDF. Um, I'll work on getting our links up to date. So we have a, a link available uh, there on the website. And We've got a couple um, short video clips that are going to be coming out pretty soon along with our collaborators over at the vet school. So uh, cool. there's there's quite a bit there. If you start Googling UF and hydrosis genetics, you can find us pretty quickly. Cool. And I've been watching some of your videos. They're really good, again, because you make super duper science <laughs> understandable. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. My next goal is to make it more fundable. But maybe there we go. the first part, right? <laughs> first part, part one. Well, thank you again, Dr. Samantha Brooks, for hanging out with us here on Horses in the Morning. Awesome. Thanks. Glad to talk to you guys. So I'm so happy to be hanging out here with Janet Geyer, who is the mad scientist behind Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds. And... I just saw coming across my newswire recently that all of the daily dose equine horse feeds are now non-GMO verified through the non-GMO project. Tell me what that means. Well, for simplicity, it means that the place where the feed is made has been certified to be non-GMO and that all the ingredients are traceable back to the original place where they came from, and they are all 
certified non-GMO because of that. It also means that there are no uh, chemicals that are added into the feed uh, through the growing process or the manufacturing process. And it particularly means that there is no Roundup. That, that's um, big because that's a re- it's a really common product that is used in the agricultural industry and it is used on okay. animal feed. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Right. So right. they do allow a certain amount of uh, Roundup to be in animal feed, but our feeds have zero. How many different horse feed formulas does Daily Dose Equine currently have? We have four feeds and four forage balancers. Uh, six of which are carried by Chewy. There we go. So if you need to learn more about Daily Dose Equine horse feeds or you want to find a local dealer near you, you can go to www.dailydoseequine.com or if you want to just shop around for, for horse feed from Daily Dose Equine, place an order and get fast and convenient delivery nationwide, you can do that at Chewy.com. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. One of the things we haven't talked a lot about lately is your other show you do, and that's Retired Racehorse Radio. You enjoy still having fun over there talking about the retirees? Absolutely. We have so much fun learning about all of the different types of things people get their retired racers in. You know, we've covered standard breads and thoroughbreds and Arabians and quarter horses. And uh, I'm, I'm just... I just learned so much every single time. Just last episode, we had a thoroughbred that is colored like an Appaloosa. Really? <laughs> That's going to the retired racehorse <laughs> project, uh, the thoroughbred makeover. So it was really, really fun. Um, so if you want to hear anything, just good stories too, and just good people that you can listen to and training tips as well on retired racehorse radio. And there's another show, it highly relevant to what we talked about today. And that's this one. It's Reese Koffler Stanfield. And I'm Philip Parks from the Dressage Radio Show. We are the official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation, and we love talking all things dressage. As two professional dressage riders, we enjoy bringing our friends and colleagues on the podcast to share our knowledge of the sport. We have interviews with riders, trainers, authors, and judges to bring you information, stories, and writing tips about dressage. We invite you to come on over to listen to our show at dressageradioshow.com. And we do have 20 other shows on the Horse Radio Network as well. And one of the things that I always forget to mention is that we have a master feed for, like if you listen to multiple shows on the Horse Radio Network, if you search in your podcast player for Horse Radio Network, it'll bring up our master feed. And that's every episode of every show we do all in one feed. So if you would rather do that than having them all separate on your podcast player, that's the easy. We have about 2,000 people that uh, do it that way. So if you'd like to do it that way, just search for Horse Radio Network on your podcast feed. And I'm still getting emails from people that are saying, especially auditors, that are saying, we can't get the auditor show anymore. If you have Apple, Apple updated their podcast app and they broke it. It's They broke it. That's all I can say. You, they 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 just made it impossible to do things in it. Now, they're supposed to be fixing it. How Apple, who was the leader in podcast apps uh, for so many years, could do an update and completely break it, I don't know. But um, 
what we're recommending is that you just get a different app because uh, that's what most of the people I've talked to that have been using Apple for a long time just have went and got a different app. There's a million podcast player apps out there now. So that's what I would recommend. Uh, if you want to hang in there until they completely fix it, be my guest. But I know a lot of you are having trouble with shows getting lost or not updating or there's just been all kinds of problems with it. I don't know. Do you still listen on the Apple app? Um, I listen to some things on the Apple app, but Horses in the Morning is on the Horse Radio Network app too, which I yeah, find which really helpful have. for yeah. finding everything because I listen to Horsemanship Radio and I listen I listen to a lot of them. So I just go straight to the Horse Radio Network app. Yeah, I don't, it's not as sophisticated as some of the other apps as far as the the features in it. Uh, you know, we built that app years ago to train people how to listen to podcasts because we thought it would be easier and it worked. I mean, almost 40,000 people have downloaded it. So Trained me. Trained you. <laughs> so there we go. Well, well, let's head to our next guest we have coming up, Lori Adams, who is with the Jefferson City Search and Rescue, and she teaches mounted SAR courses, which is uh, search and rescue courses. So with everybody having their horses getting lost, we had another one here at a, in one of the forests in Florida recently, and I've read a couple of articles about it. So what happens? What happens if you come off and your horse <laughs> head sads out and leaves you behind? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, hi, Lori. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hi. Great to be here. Now, where are you at? Where are you located in the world? We are in uh, Central Oregon and in a close to Bend, but we're uh, west of that up in the, the mountains of the Cascades. Uh, and in what? In a little town called Camp Sherman. Camp Sherman. And what are you're with one of the search and rescues up there, right? Yes. Um, I have been with, with two different counties. Uh, Jefferson County is the one that um, I've most recently am associated with and, and worked with. And uh, you guys have some serious trail riding up there. That's for darn sure. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yes. How yes, did we uh, have peaks that are over 10,000 feet and we can get, well, we get up at least to the 8,000, 9,000 foot level. Um, on horseback. Well, I don't think, I don't know that I've been that high on foot, let alone on horseback. So how did you become involved in SAR with with Search and Rescue? Um, I started actually with my, my kids. We live um, along a wild and scenic river that is um, uh, very cold. And, and so, and then we have, um, the 10,000 foot mountains and, and the Pacific Crest Trail all are within a very short distance of, of our little town. And the response from, for search and rescue to find people or injured people, lost people, um, was well over a, a, about a three hour response. And so our local deputy with the sheriff's office started a, a, search and rescue team, we were called a hasty team because we'll be at the point of last scene or the where the incident where the last person um, saw them within an hour. And so we're able to mobilize and then we're all a, a full spectrum. So many of the, of the teams in the areas specialize. So they'll have a a special team that's mounted, a special team that's swift water, a special team that was high angle. And we were trained in all of those areas just because we'd be the very first response. And my uh, kids were 
in high school and um, they had a junior program and I helped out with that. I had been very involved with teaching and with um, <clears throat> the, the local little two-room schoolhouse, so tiny little schoolhouse, and we were able to get them part of it and then just continued on. And it gave them a real sense of empowerment and that they could survive and it taught them so much and then also gave them um, an experience of seeing real consequences to bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately <laughs> that's, true, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what? That's how I got started. What do you care? So you you get a call, somebody's missing, maybe somebody on the PCT or whatever. Maybe not even. Let's mm-hmm. let's go with not a horse person first. Then I want to talk to you about what okay. I do if I'm out in the woods and my horse gets loose. But um, yeah. you're you're responding to a call. What kind of equipment do you bring with you on the horse? On the horse, basically what we have is what's called a 24-hour pack. Um, and if if it's not a horse person, we're usually um, on the horse team. So they'll be what we call ground pounders or on foot. But um, on the horse team, we're sent out because we can mobilize pretty quickly because we're close and we do what's called a 24-hour pack, which means we have enough to take care of us and a subject um, for 24 hours. We have food, water, and then we don't really add a whole lot for the horse. We add a little bit of just um, some some basic medical stuff, but the horses will know the area well enough where we can get the um, to water or food, but they can go. We're 24 hours and we're sent out to, to do if, depending, if we don't know where they are, we can, we can cover 25. We usually do it at a, if we have, I've got gated horses. So we do that or a fast trot and to get out into areas to, to see if we can find any tracks or to kind of get them what we would call containment. And many times on that containment, we can find the people if they're lost. If it's an injured person, then we can usually get there and we'll take a medic with us and and have them ride in because it just saves them having their heavy medic bag and they can help us stabilize the patient. We can um, either transport them where they could be transported, helicopter, or we'll transport them all the way out. Now, are you seeing people, are most of them lost, or do we have people getting injured because they fall down a hill, or what, what do you see most? Um, well, we used to see a whole lot more lost people. Now that the phones, because they didn't have phones, they they would get disoriented. Um, and, and one of the things I say is the dangerous, most dangerous thing is to go to the bathroom in the woods because we find a lot of people, people will go farther away than because they want to have privacy and they don't take all of their you know, compass or anything and they'll try to get over a hill and then do their business, but they oftentimes will not remember where they came from so they'll head down over the hill thinking they're going back to camp and so we would find them in <laughs> lots of times in drainage <laughs> how do you explain like that. that to your friends 
I get I lose my car in the grocery store parking lot. I can't imagine that. <laughs> and and so, but now people uh, with their phones, we can usually uh, ping them. We've gotten to the point of of being able to to when they call in and they're lost, if that's the case, then we can either walk them through it or we can get within a, a good distance of where they are. So I would say um, we still have some people that that get lost because their phones, they rely on their phones, their electronics, and don't know how to use a map and compass or don't take a compass. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are fewer and more of the people are getting injured. They'll, they'll, they just, they hurt themselves. They trip, they fall, they break an ankle. And so I would say more of what we're doing now is, is um, injury. So we know basically where they are. They've been able to call us pretty much pinpoint where, where they end up. And, and then we'll, um, we'll find, I mean, we go out and, and help well, with that. Let's let's, cha- or- let's change gears now and go back to horses. Okay. So I'm out riding with okay. my friend, okay, and my horse dumps me mm-hmm. out there at eight thousand feet, and then my uh-huh. horse disappears <laughs> and I don't see it again. And I'm I'm on I'm on foot. And my friend's riding. Uh, what mm-hmm. What do you recommend? Or I'm alone. Either way, you know, uh, we don't recommend. Yeah. We obviously don't recommend people ride alone in situations like when you're that right. far in the backcountry. But um, right. I'm out with somebody right. and I lose my horse. What should I do first? The very first thing is is when there there's a whole thing of to to prevent it. But but if you do, yeah, let's go to right <laughs> if we do. <laughs> If we do, <laughs> um, the the first thing is to try to not chase them. Um, to they will most likely, particularly if there's another horse there, they will not go too far. It's when you're out by yourself that they will head on home. If depending on on what happens, so the important thing is to stay calm, to um, call someone at the trailhead or where you left because they have an incredible sense of smell and direction and they will go back to the trailhead. They'll try to get back to the trailhead if they're not um, chased or, or they get in the panic mode. If they're in that thinking space, they're going to go, oh, I know where food is and I know back to the trail. Um, so not chasing them. Many times, if if you can get your 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 friend with a horse, do a big circle and and see if you can kind of get between them and the trail. Um, so that person would would circle around. But um, contacting, if you can, get somebody back at the trail, so trailhead or something, so they can they can entice the horse back in. Um, and if the, I, if there's the, nobody at the trailhead, mm-hmm. and so do you recommend mm-hmm. that we can, we don't see it around the area where we are, we're just headed yeah. off back down the trail. So do you recommend then then that we head back to the back to the trailers and and look for it there? Assume that's yeah. the first place it's going to go. That's going to be the first place to go. Okay. And and at that point, um, I would always take a GPS or on your phone or whatever, getting the location of where you are 
the horses will typically travel on a on a cleared area. So they're unless they're they're chased, they're not going to go out through the woods. So you'll typically have a trail. So you'll want to, if you have your phone or a, a camera, you'll want to look for their tracks, take a picture of those tracks, and then go back down the trail. Um, like I said, you'll, if it's at all possible, not always, because lots of these trails are in valleys, but if you can have the other rider um, have the the person's horse that's horseless walk the trail quietly and have the other rider kind of do a big loop around and see if they can see if the if they can cut the horse off. But yes, she would be going back to the to the trailer because that's going to be most obvious. The only difference is is if there is a big meadow or there's a big lake or there thirsty, those are on your way, that would be a, another good spot to to check it out and look and see. And again, trying to not chase, not staying very calm um, and getting your horse back back together with you by, by enticing them into the other horse because they're herd animals and they're going to want to be with, with their herd. And Depending on on how you came off or what happened when you did come off, <laughs> if if there was issues with you and your horse, but they will definitely come back to a another herd, another okay. uh, another horse. So and hopefully you're part of that herd. So if I get back, uh, we we only mm-hmm. have limited time, so I, I want to cover this part too. Right, so if I get right. back to the trailer yeah. and they're not there, and we're we're you know, the horse isn't there. Does a search and rescue like yours actually look for horses or are you only people? Um, well, typically, depending on, on what's going on, it's always a great idea to call the sheriff's office because the sheriff's office both have, they're the ones that dispatch the search and rescue. And they also will let, be able to let other people know um, the Forest Service, those kinds of things, and they can expedite it. The uh, the forest, the um, the so calling and reporting that you have a lost horse is is your first one to the sheriff's office, and they will decide whether or not to deploy it. Many times, if in in areas of where ours are. They will deploy the mounted team, not necessarily their whole team, but they will deploy their mounted team because we know how to go ahead and get them. We'll get llamas and things like that, and they will help have us deploy because we know that these are important to people. They're of significant investment, and if we don't, then people do not as smart things out in the woods um, trying to find, and then then you have a lost person because they've gone out and and kind of willy nilly gone out and try to find it. So gotcha. so it is up to the sheriff. But and then if you know of any any mounted, oftentimes posse's, but mounted search and rescues are are a good resource. But the sheriff will would deploy them or call them, and it wouldn't be an official. It would say, hey, could you go help these people out? All right, good. Well, we've run out of time. Where can people go to learn more about? Is there a resource, a website, or something where they can learn more about this? 
Um, there is. We have it. Um, we do training on um, mounted search and rescue, and it's called Essential Mounted um, Search and Rescue SAR. And uh, that's where we do training for mounted search and rescue. And that is a Facebook page, and I we have a website that's um, it's uh, Essential Mounted Search and Rescue dot org. That's yeah, that's what I have here too. Yep, and we'll put links to those in our show notes as well. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you. All right, take care, Lori. Um, Bye. So, have you ever been in the situation where you were you you lost your horse? I refuse to answer that question, (laughs) so I don't jinx myself. Gotcha. But I'm gonna. It was so hard for me to not jump in with this weird news story. But she sounded so educated, and like I didn't want to throw her off. It sounded very informative. The interview you were doing. (laughs) Well, there are a lot of our people that ride in the woods. That's why. (laughs) Once we get to a weird news, it'll all make sense. It was so hard for me. I just want you to know. I like. I had to mute myself so I wouldn't interrupt your actual informative interview. Jamie has this habit sometimes with the wrong guests, with the serious guests of interrupting with silly I stuff like and it totally throws years, them off. I just learned. I just learned <laughs> to not do that. It's taken her 3,000 episodes, but she's gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> you should be really proud of me. I, I was. And you know what? Time. When I know you're being quiet is when I know you're dying inside. Oh, <laughs> just hit the news button and I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me find it. <laughs> Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Oh, I wanted to ask her so many questions because uh, so there is in Mastic, New York, a bull that has been on the loose since last Like a cow bull? Like that kind of bull? Like a bull. Okay. Like a moo cow okay. bull. It. But it's not a cow bull. It's just a bull. Uh, he's 1,500 pounds. He's now nicknamed Barney. He escaped from a farm on Barnes Road, broke through a fence at 8 a.m. in the morning, Glenn, because why do you think he left? Because there were they, girls were in the next so field? <laughs> no. No? <clears throat> He was supposed to be sacrificed in a religious ceremony. What? And he's like, <laughs> we do that still. <laughs> Apparently, people sacrifice bulls for religious ceremonies. What? Where was this? This is, this is in New York and Long Island. Oh, okay? I was Not picturing a- like Bulgaria. No, this is in New York. It's a farm outside of Long Island. And Long they, Island. This bull, like, this is all in the news. This is all people are talking about in Long Island right now. And Suffolk County Police Department, they have responded to so many 911 calls about this bull being loose. And there's a lot of water where he is, and there's a lot of, he's in a very heavily wooded brush area, so he's not starving. They're just doing everything to try to capture this bull. Okay, Glenn. So, and this is what I was going to, I wanted to ask her, but I stopped myself. I thought you'd be very proud. <laughs> like, do you search for bulls? Is, is that going to be your question? Yeah. Well, some of the questions, like some of the things they've done to try to apprehend Barney includes they went and they went back to his farm and put some of the feed he's used to out to try to trap him. Nope. <laughs> then they put treats to lure him in he knows nope they built a portable corral that they like have a rope attached to the gate so if he walks into like a portable corral they're just gonna pull the string and the door shuts guess what nope so here's 
Here's their most recent thing. And now this is from a Long Island newspaper. This is not an ag. <laughs> the fact that this is Long Island cracks me up. <laughs> this is what they have done to let everybody to really try to capture him. They took Norma Jean. Norma Jean is a cow. <laughs> the prettiest but, cow in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, a normal. I just picture her normal, with big cartoon eyelashes. Yeah, exactly. A normal. <laughs> Animal person would say they put a cow in heat in a pen yeah. trying to lure him into the pen. Well, because this is a Long Island <laughs> newspaper, this is what they wrote. <clears throat> this new effort comes after the unsuccessful attempt of employing a menstruating cow named Norma Jean. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think that's different, isn't it? <laughs> Let's put this calendar period into this pen and see if we can capture Barney. A menstruating cow. I love that my husband just walked in the door and I'm talking about a cow on her period. I didn't even know there were cows on Long Island. I'm still stuck on that one. Apparently, they just keep them around for, you know, their random religious ceremonies. Religious ceremonies. Can you picture this thing walking across those million dollar lawns of those seafront properties eating the bushes? Uh, Well, they have pictures of it. They have video and pictures. People's ring doorbells are catching this bull. And they can, he has shut down the freeway at one point. I mean, this is like a really, really big deal in Long Island. And so they had to find a menstruating cow. But guess what? He didn't fall for your crap, Norma Jean. He knows women are trouble. That's for the cow. That's for the bull. Way to go, Barney. Now, just so you know, the update on this is he is still on the loose. Has not been captured. Good now, job. I, so what I wanted to ask her with the search and rescue, would you ever put a menstruating horse in a pen? <laughs> this was killing you, wasn't it? It was so... Anybody that's listening myself? to the show knows this was killing you. Do you see why I stopped? I had to mute my own microphone. This was so killing you the whole oh. time. Right. Well, let's go. Let me, let me start with the beginning of Weird News. Which is to let everybody know all these stories are actual stories that have been sent to me by listeners. I used to have to find them, but now y'all find them because you see a story that you're reading in your newsfeed and you go, God, that's really weird. And then you email it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line. Now we've had two weeks, so we have a lot of people that sent weird news, including Andrew, Jolyn, Laureen, Ina, Anna, Rochelle, Scott, Jennifer, and Alyssa, and, and some of you sent multiples, uh, m- multiple stories. So what if I don't get to it today? I'll try to get to it next week um, because these are just too good. But dude, it just I just want you to give me a round of applause for the fact that I did not talk to the lady. Okay, moving on. Next one. Ohio. We're keeping it local, Glenn. We're keeping it in the U.S. today. We're going to go to Ohio because this woman, there's a video of an intersection camera, and this woman goes 100 miles an hour through an intersection, clips a car. Apparently, she hit multiple cars, a utility pole and a house, and uh, she just, she had her kid in the back seat. Okay, her 11-year-old child in the back seat and just starts driving. Apparently, she suffered some bouts of 
she says trials and tribulations. She was recently fired from her job. So she put her kid in the car and just decided to stop driving or start driving. She starts driving. She hits a hundred miles an hour and she's like, you know what? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Carrie's so a little she, better at that. <laughs> she literally just let go of the steering wheel and said, Jesus is going to no. take the wheel. Oh, yeah. Oh, With yeah. the kids in the uh, car? With one kid in the car. Oh. And uh, the good news is the kid is fine and all the people she hit are fine. The It did end. The cha- the <laughs> Jesus did not take the wheel when she was heading to the giant house that she ended up running into. So Jesus let her down at the end there when she ran into the house. But again, the children are fine. They protected her kid in the back, but she has now been arrested and is uh, arrested on many, 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 many charges. As far as I know, people, Carrie Underwood is not a saint and she is not commanding you to do that. I'm telling you, that is the most dangerous (laughs) song ever (laughs) led on to people ever. It's not a commandment. It's a song. It's metaphorical. (laughs) It's metaphorical. It was on the same album as... I dug my keys That's right. to the side fist. So Jesus can take the wheel as long as he doesn't take the wheel of my ex-boyfriend who's now in a bar with another girl because I'm going to take a baseball bat to his headlights. She literally says that in the next song. Carry on. Next one. Sorry. I, I did it, it already three times. Go ahead. Right, well, here's I was a- trying to stop you from singing, but it didn't work. <laughs> you can't. Uh, passion <laughs> put that on a t-shirt all right let's let's go to oklahoma now okay i'm gonna give you a little dose of oklahoma because there is a, a this is an up in tulsa and lorraine graves was part of the department tulsa police department's weekly most wanted campaign so the tulsa police department posts that they're looking for lorraine graves and posts a picture of her lorraine graves is charged with accessory to murder she was involved in the city's homicide and blah 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 and goes on and posts her picture and says most wanted well lorraine graves saw it and Lorraine Graves, not being the smartest human in the world, posts and makes a comment underneath the post. Where's the reward money at? <laughs> she wants her own reward. <laughs> her comment, perhaps unsurprisingly, sparked a lot of reaction on social media. And including things to be saying, girl, you better stay off social media. They can track you. And somebody else wrote, ain't going to be as funny when you get processed. (laughs) Well, guess what? They found her. (laughs) Lorraine Graves was arrested at her apartment north of Tulsa. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Okay, that's that's Oklahoma for you. Let me hit the sound. That sounded like a Florida story. You're starting to steal our stories. Which one would you like first? We have two more stories. Which one would you prefer? Florida woman or Florida man? I'm going with Florida woman because they're always naked. Oh my God. How did you know? Because they're always <laughs> naked. That's what Every Florida woman story, they're naked. Every Florida um, man story, they're in somebody else's house. Well, we'll, we'll get to Florida. No, Florida <laughs> men are crazy. Florida women. Yep. They're naked. So there was a man who lives at his, lived at his house and he noticed that something was amiss. He looked outside and he said, well, why are there, why are there clothes strewn across my yard? 
He, well, he looked at his front window and he's like, there's some pants. There's a shirt. There's a bra. There's some panties. <laughs> it's pretty hard. He's like, that's weird. Then he walked to his back door and he spotted what he says, the naked stranger in his pool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Heather Kennedy, 42 years that old. That never was- happens at my house. <laughs> don't worry. You don't want this one to happen. Oh, did you see house. her mugshot? Please tell me she was gorgeous. Oh. My guess is not. She she was probably pretty about <laughs> 400 <laughs> meth doses ago. Oh, yeah. Other than that, she's gorgeous. Um, so, so this is her thing, just was, swimming in other people's pools? She was arrested facing charges of trespass and guess what? Resisting an officer. Oh, no kidding. She <laughs> fought the officer. That big surprise there. Do you think they had to get her out of the pool with like one of those nets? <laughs> That's all I can imagine. Or those snake, or those snake pool. harness things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alligator <exactly>. catcher. <laughs> here, kitty, 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 come over here. We'll get you like Did, you get to leave. She that resisted, and she was she was loving the pool. It was it was lovely. Uh, it's hot it, here. It must it's have nice been that. Cool. It must have been the fact that she just didn't want to leave the pool. I'm sure that was it. No meth on board at all. <laughs> was this the first pool she had slept in? My guess is not. Or swam in. My guess is not. No. You know, I. I you know how they identified her because they she wouldn't give them their name. Of course. Um, so she's like, "My name is Jane. My Doe. name is Florida and, woman." <laughs> and so they they took her in, and the police said they were quote I. <laughs> they were able to identify her through previous jail booking photos. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Big surprise there. Yeah. All right. Last one. <laughs> This is actually where my mom lives. This happened. My my brother lives. And 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 to be honest, I looked at the picture to make sure it wasn't my brother because <laughs> it's a little insane. <laughs> We're gonna head up to St. Augustine, your twin? Florida. You're talking about my twin brother lives yeah. in St. Augustine. I actually got married on the beach in St. Augustine. And it's, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful town. It is a beautiful, beautiful town. town. Yeah. Beautiful beaches. But if you see one of these, <laughs> just you know, just walk away. Just walk away. So a Florida man decided that he was going to raise money. And this is his quote. My goal is to not only raise money for homeless people, it's to raise money for the Coast Guard, raise money for the police department, raise money for the fire department. Very noble of him. (laughs) Raise a lot of money. And how he's going to do that, Glenn, is I'm going to try to describe the contraption. Okay. It's like a, like a metal cylinder. That that could have a man standing up, okay? A metal cylinder, and then there's like two, say, big, giant Ferris wheel type things on either side, which are full of balloons. So there's like wheels on the side of this giant cylinder, giant welded metal cylinder. The thing must be at least 15 feet tall, 10, 20 feet tall. And it's a metal cylinder with these two balloon things on the side, like balloons stacked on top of each other fit into a circle into these wheels. Okay. I'm probably not doing good, but you can Google this. If I you did. I found the picture. It's a bizarre Google looking contraption. Florida man bubble vessel. It, I did. It's <laughs> Florida man bubble vessel. It'll it, that's that's what it is. Oh, how would you describe it? Uh um they call it a hamster wheel. It, okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. And there's a like large hamster wheel with like red balloonies on the outside. 
it's like a big giant ham- hamster wheel. Yeah. And what happened was he decided he was going to head out, disembark from St. Augustine into the ocean. Into the ocean <laughs> by running in this hamster wheel because the, the bubbles have like little paddles attached. It's not said, powered. He was going to run in it. He's going to run. He's oh. going to run this hamster wheel. And he set off from St. Augustine and he was going to head to New York, which is a thousand <laughs> miles north in the ocean. His name is Riza Balucci of Central Florida. And he was attempting to run in his floating. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he was not going to New York. He was going from Florida to Bermuda or he was going to travel north up the coast all to raise Which, money. Whichever the way the current took him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm going to go north or south depending <laughs> on which way the ocean. I'm just going to keep Did running. he bring anything along like food and stuff, water? One day I just felt like running. I don't know. I just run money. Yes, he did. He did prepare for the journey, Glenn, by taking, I uh, believe it was Gatorade Cliff Bar's bubble gum and tuna in a can <laughs> were his items that he was, he was going to take now. Um, so he, he headed out on Saturday morning to make this trip North or South, depending which way the wind blew, uh, as fast as wind blows. Okay. Like you just, uh, the forest gump won't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> um, so where, how long do you think you made it? Oh, you mean how many hours or how many days? How many days do you think you made it? Because mm. it was going to take like 100 days. Yeah, it would take a while. I hope he had more than a few cliff bars. Um, I'm guessing he made it 24 hours just because the thing probably floated for that long. We're going to give him eight. <laughs> <laughs> he actually got washed up on shore a little further down in Florida. <laughs> Apparently, he has a history. Glenn, mm. he has been rescued, quote, several times in previous years after setting off inside his hydro bubble oh, <laughs> station reported. So he keeps trying by God. Florida man, you just, you just get He's it like a poor man's Jeff is, Bezos, isn't he? It's like a, he, Is it Jeff Bezos? No. Because I would say he's like the poor man's, uh, who's the evil uh, Knievel? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this thing actually looks like he spent some time putting it together, though. Yeah, I mean, I could see this as like one of those like bicycles that you rent, yes, you know, at a lake, yes, yes, where there's like no wind, and it's pretty shark proof. The cage looks pretty solid. I mean, I don't think the shark's going to get him. Well, as somebody said that he was attempting to prove Darwin's theory, and he came very close. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> I hope they start charging him for all these rescues. Yeah, they, mean, he really needs to pay for them. Apparently, it didn't take much because you just watched him back on the beach a couple miles south. <laughs> we didn't give this one to you, man. It's good <laughs> he didn't end up in a in a current out there about ten miles out, right? I mean, they would have never found him. He was ready for that, Glenn. He was ready for it because he had his cliff bars and cans of tuna That's and Gatorade. True. That's okay? true. That's true. He would have been feeding them to the sharks pretty soon. Well, there we go. That was a good batch. That was a good batch, everybody. Thank you for sending, Jamie. Where do they send the good batch of good stuff to you? Send the weird news to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Don't worry. I won't tell which one's yours because um, nobody needs to know your business. Just send it to me. I'll keep it on the DL. I'll say your first name, and that's all all I'm going to give away. And if you don't want me to do that, fine. Tell me. I won't. I probably will because I'll forget. But for the most part, just, you know, let me have them. 
And we're going to do some really bad ads on Friday. So get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. And we're giving away the prizes on Friday. We have two $50 gift certificates for Horse Radio Network swag. Uh, and Horse Lovers provided two products that are worth almost $300. So we're going to be giving those away on Friday. But So this is your last chance. You got basically a day and a half to get your entries in. Get them in by Thursday night to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com for your really bad ads. And we'll give those prizes away before we head out on our excursions on Friday. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to StatelineTAC.com for being our sponsor today. We appreciate that. And you can find Jamie at? You can find me on Facebook at Flyover Farm. Uh, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. I'm picking up a couple new horse and hound horses tomorrow. So if you are in the market, take take a look. That's where you can follow all the training stuff I post. Very good. And uh, auditors, hang around. We'll talk at least for a couple minutes. See you, everybody. Spay, neuter, geld. Mm-hmm.